Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Have another Orioles crossover episode for you today. And this is going to be a fun one because this Orioles team, as good as it is, everybody's already kind of looking forward to the trade deadline or the time before, for that matter, and thinking about who might the Orioles acquire to better uh, improve their chances of, of making the playoffs this year. Here to talk about, about that with me is Paul Valley. Paul, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. I'm happy to be here, man. Um, how are you? Uh, doing great. And uh, give people a, a, a brief intro on where they can find your, your work online. All right. So um, I'm the, the lead host of the Bat Around for Pressbox Sports. You can go to pressboxonline.com slash radio every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon, although we usually run until about 1230. Um, that you can also find us on youtube.com slash pressbox sports and at facebook.com slash pressbox uh, that's slash pressbox sports. Let me start that over. YouTube.com slash pressbox online, Facebook.com slash pressbox sports. We air live. We also then post to SoundCloud and anywhere you find your podcast after the fact uh, in podcast form. And then I co host um, Give That Fan a podcast for Utah Street Report with Ryan Blake. Um, just love talking to Memorials Baseball. You can you also see my Twitter handle in there at Paul Valley the Third. That's where you can follow me. I'm really, really engaged and interactive, um, especially during Orioles games. So if you ever want to, you know, oppose me, a lot of people like to these days, um, by all means, come on there to have me some, with some Orioles baseball. I'm always happy to do it. All right. Outstanding. Great to have you, Paul. So let's jump right into it in terms of, of the Orioles and, and the current roster as built. We just recorded a, a podcast yesterday about who are the real high variance players for the Orioles that might drive a playoff push and some significant disagreement in terms of who those players are. We both had Grayson Rodriguez at the same spot, but uh, Jorge Mateo was at a different spot on the list. I had Adley Rutschman on the list. He didn't. He thought he's just too much stability there to have me at Austin Hayes on the list. And I thought, you know, Hayes is a guy who, who only has so much upside. If he goes down from where he is, he's probably platoon first with Kowser maybe, and then replaced uh, if, if he fell a, a substantial amount from there. So it, it was a really interesting discussion. A little bit different today. We want to talk about, first of all, you know, what what are the Orioles likely to do at the trade deadline or what do you think they should do? But second of all, is it reasonable even given the way the rotation is kind of worked out at this exact moment in time and a recording on May 19th, that the Orioles might be able to stand pat? You know, it, it's kind of a damned if you, damned if you don't situation because you look at the Orioles record, they have the second best record in baseball. And maybe you thought that was a fluke through the first month. I don't think that's a fluke. I think they have a lot of talent and that rotation is a lot better than their overall um, unit number would suggest. Kyle Gibson's only here for a year and his ERA is about, is above four and a half. Is, is that a guy that you want to trade at the deadline? But how much value are you going to get in return for Kyle Gibson? Uh, do you believe that 
Cole Irving can come back into this rotation and get back on track after this first three starts that were just awful that got him demoted. Is Grayson Rodriguez the guy that we saw go five innings against Detroit and allow two hits, one walk, and give and uh, strike out nine? Or is he the guy that gave up seven runs to Oakland and eight runs to the to the Angels? I think he's more of a guy who could end up being your ace. That's a guy you want in your rotation, mm-hmm. I think. Um, what are you going to get out of the guys like D.L. Hall? So do you stay on pat with that? I do think you need to add an ace pitcher there. And the problem is there are so many teams that are in it right now who who are going to be fighting with to get these aces and what aces are really going to be available is the main question. Okay, so obviously some big names have, have come around in terms of availability, which I want to get back to. But if you did acquire a Dylan Cease or an Alex Cobb, uh, you know, obviously is a name certainly turns the stomach of some Oriole fans in terms mm-hmm. of his his production here. But he's having a pretty good year for the Giants, and the Giants are not as good a team as they probably think they should be um, and, and might consider dealing him. Uh, my my first problem is who, who do you take out of the rotation currently? And are the other guys that are out there? I mean, you know, a lot of the people are recommended are veteran pitchers with the RAs well over four. Um, are are these guys who you want to replace one of the current five in the in the Orioles starting rotation now? Well, you want to keep Tyler Wells, right? And it's so mm-hmm. funny because on both of my shows, we've gone back and forth all year. Do you put Tyler Wells into the bullpen because then he takes a place of Austin Both? He's had success there, and it really makes your team that much better. But he's also got a sub three ERA and the and the lowest whip in baseball. You you probably don't want to move that from your rotation. Um, like I said, Kyle Gibson, he's kind of the guy that you think eventually plucks right out of the rotation. But he's your veteran presence. He was your ten million dollars signing in the off season. You're probably not pulling him out of that rotation unless you're trading him at the deadline. And again, what's the value you're going to get for him? I, yeah, I'm not even sure I'd be concerned about that if I had the replacement. You know, if you're getting mm-hmm. a zero value for a player like Gibson and and you're getting a better pitcher in that trade or, you, or you're acquiring at the same time a better pitcher, sure. I'm, not, I'm not sure how concerned I am with that. But I think Gibson fits fairly well with this defense. I mean, this is a mm-hmm. defense that's made to turn double plays. Gibson has been sure. obviously a big part of that so far this year. So um, I, I could, you know, he's been a little bit below average in terms of where he is relative to the league, but I could see that improving. Um, the nice thing about the about the Orioles starters is um, they've really done a pretty good job with total innings pitched relative, I guess, to my expectations for this team. Uh, that I didn't think we'd see as many five and six inning starts from the Orioles starting rotation. And those are getting to be more and more of a rarity baseball wide. Yeah, uh, you, you kind of have this thing now where managers are really scared to let their pitchers throw 100 pitches in a game. And a lot of times 100 pitches is really only getting you into the sixth inning at most, um, if not the middle of the fifth. Um, so I kind of I kind of look at that and you kind of look at what, where the Orioles throwing rotation is anyway, where Tyler Wells, he's already more than halfway to his innings, his innings uh, from last year. Grayson Rodriguez threw 75 innings last year. How many can he really give you this year? D.L. Hall, same thing, and he's on a D-load now in the minors. Maybe you get John Means back, but you're not getting uh, no-hitter John Means back in July. You're getting the guy who's coming off of Tommy John surgery who won't have pitched uh, competitively for 16, 18 months at that point. And what can you really expect him to do for you? And he's also going to be on the limit too. So – the them getting deeper into games, you'd like to see it, but it's 
you know, they're kind of doing what you expected them to do right now. Hopefully they they can go out because I do think at the end of the day, they need a guy to put at the top of the re- that rotation to make that playoff push because um, they're not far off being, from being a serious contender. The question is, who is it? Okay, so for the playoffs specifically, you know, I think that they, they, they certainly want to have three starting pitchers they look at and they say, okay, we're comfortable putting sending any of these guys out here. One of the issues with the with the Orioles starting pitchers is there's no left-hander, and I'm not including Irvin because he's not in the plans as far as I'm concerned. I'm not including Means because I have a zero expectation for what he'll do this sure. year. Sounds pretty similar to you as well. Um, is, is there a left-hander? Do they need to get a left-hander specifically to, to – set themselves up as well as can be hoped for a team that hits right-handers very well in the playoffs? Well, you want you want a lefty for your ballpark, right? Because if you mm-hmm. you have a left-handed pitcher, you're going to have a light, lot of right-handed hitters. You want to take advantage of that wall in left field. And the main one that comes to mind right now is former Orioles farmhand Eduardo Rodriguez. He's on a bad Detroit Tigers team. He's fifth in Major League Baseball in whip. He's uh, I'm sorry, fifth in ERA and fourth in whip. That's a guy who, you know, you could really go out there and try him, try and bring him into the fold. He's looked like a completely different picture than I've ever seen him be to this point in his career. He took a lot of time off last year to get um, right mentally. And it seems like whatever he did worked because he looks like a difference maker. What are you willing to give up to get him though? Because he's still under, he just signed that, that big contract prior to last year. So he's got three years left on that deal after this year. The Tigers, they're not coming out and saying, hey, we're rebuilding. So they're going to want something that's close to big league ready for him. You have a ton of top 100 prospects. What do you have to give up to get him? And are you willing to do that? Yeah. So the the contract for Rodriguez is about how large, how big. Isn't it a one-year deal effectively? Rodriguez can opt out at the end of this year? He can. I believe he can opt out. I think it was something like five years, $100 million. He was mm-hmm. he was close to um, $20 million a year when he signed with the Tigers. And I think it, that there is an opt out after the season, which he might do. But that also then maybe that makes him a little bit cheaper. Maybe if the Tigers are saying, hey, he's going to opt out and we don't want to give him that much more money, it might make him a little bit cheap, a little bit more cheaper to have for the stretch run there. And then he kind of does what the Orioles did with him going to get Andrew Miller in 2014. He's here for three months to make that push. It's a lot of symmetry there that uh, I wonder who they'd have to, who they'd have to give up for that. The fact that the Tigers have made a little run here and are now within three and a half of the, of the central league is probably means they're going to hold off just a little bit for their fans. I would think in terms of trading a player like Rodriguez. You would imagine, but it's also we're still in May, right? They could have a June like their April um, or July like their April. And then the next thing you know, because you have to think realistically that you're only getting one team out of the Central that's going to make the playoffs. And if they're not winning the division, uh, what are their chances? Let's put it another way. What are their chances of winning that division? Are they better than the Twins? Are they better than Cleveland? Because Cleveland hasn't gotten going yet. And they've got mm-hmm. the pitching and the young offensive talent to make a run. And they do this every year. They start slow. And then they're one of the best teams in baseball the second half. And the White Sox, I know they've been a train wreck for a couple of years. I know it. But there's still so much talent on that team. And you look at Gio- Giolito and Lance Lynn um, and Kopech and Dylan Cease. They've under underperformed to this point. Are the do the Tigers? You you always think you're in it until you're not. 
I think things are going to get a little bit clearer as we get towards the end of June. I, I don't think the Tigers are going to be in I don't think they have enough pieces to be there by the time they get to the deadline. Okay. I, I, I would agree with the statement, generally speaking. It's just a matter of how long they're they're willing to wait. Um, and would love to have Eduardo back in, in Baltimore, uh, certainly. We never, we never did get to see him pitch, right? He made his Major League debut with the Red Sox, didn't he? He did not make the, it with the Orioles. He debuted in 2015 with, with the Red Sox. He didn't get an opportunity to pitch in Baltimore. Yeah. Oh, one of the one of the ones, Zach Davies, the other guy who was who was uh, traded to San Diego. Uh, VR is that who they got for him? Um, no, VR came over from the Brewers in the Jonathan Scope trade. Okay, so who's who? Who did they get from San Diego? And it was a, like a so, light hitting punch and Judy guy played second base. I thought at the time. <sighs> when they traded Zach Davies, that was in I think that was 2013. And didn't they trade him to the? They, they traded him. Oh my gosh. So it was Arietta got traded for Scott Feldman in 2013. And then you had Zach Davies. I I maybe Gerardo Parra. That was that was the Brewers. And that's what I was thinking. I know Hader went to the Brewers too. So I think it was Davies and Hader to the Brewers for Gerardo Parra to come play left field. But that was 2015. That was in 2015. All right. So man, you're you're making me pull from the depths of my yeah. baseball memory. <laughs> there you go. That's a, that's good. Um all right, so you so you would favor another potential top of rotation uh, starter then for that. So I guess the next question is, what should the Orioles be willing to give up, and and how do they need to sort through this infield and outfield situation they've got of of top talent? Uh, let's start in the outfield. How would you start by sorting through that? Okay, so you look at the outfield and who's the most expendable because. Austin Hayes has the highest batting average on your team. Mm -hmm. uh, Cedric Mullins is, he's been unbelievable this year. He's an all-star and he's playing like an all-star this year. Anthony Santander led all switch hitters in home runs last year. And he looks better this year than he did last year. So who are you trading there? Now they've been playing Santander at first base a lot. They have an opportunity to DH him also. That could probably potentially make room for Colton Kowser, who's, Going to be, I know Mike Elias said he's not going to be here for a while. He's going to be here sooner than later, especially if he can help the Orioles win ball games right now. What, what's uh, the Super Two deadline they have to wait for? Is that already passed in terms of? of oh, geez, uh, um, that's the Super Two deadline. I don't know the exact date, but that usually comes later in the season. Okay. Um, so they th they have their first deadline to have them be part of team control. Um for the for an extra season and that happens three weeks into the season um and then they have the next deadline which i believe is a super two that you're alluding to and that's usually sometime in august and a lot of people thought that that's kind of what they were waiting on with um uh with gunner henderson mm -hmm. last year um so that that tends to come a little bit later in the season i can't imagine if they think colton kalzer can help them now with the way that he's been hitting the batter's eye that he has I can't imagine they say, we're not going to call you up even though you can help us because we want that extra year. And guys like that, if they're that good, and I said this about Adley Rutschman, you're going to extend them before that that comes into play anyway. I hope At least so. I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, Kowser, one of the other things he has in his favor is very extreme platoon player. And I don't think – I mean, everybody talks about, you know, you need to get Colton, Colton Kowser, play every day, play every day, play every day. I think he could play, at, you know, two-thirds of the games as, as a platoon player – and that would be fine. I mean, you know, potentially platoon with Hayes, but also 
you know, take a platoon role. One issue has been that the the Orioles are facing tons of left-handers this year. Uh, everybody seems to understand the Orioles are not going to hit um, left-handers as well. And I think that's definitely going to hold up as the season goes along. But I don't see a reason why Ryan O'Hearn should have an against every right-hander role, which he really does not at this point. Mm -hmm. And Kowser would not have that instead. O'Hearn is, tw is 29. Um, you know, he's, he's not a prospect. He is a, right. uh, you know, he's a, he's a replaceable part. And when people ask the question of who do you drop from the 40 man, that's my easy answer right there. That's not, yeah. that's not a hard, that's not a hard answer. The, the, they, they might not want to include him on the 40 man because it, they, you know, lose a little bit of flexibility maybe for a pitcher or somebody mm -hmm. else, but it's, it'd be easy enough to get cows to the major leagues. And it could be one of the great platoons because Kowser, as incredible as he's been overall, He's been even better versus right-handed pitching. Right. And when I had Keith Law on the bat around a couple of months ago, he basically said the same thing, that um, Colton Kowser just missed his top 100 prospects rankings because he struggles so much against left-handed hitters. He's kind of put that to bed a little bit in the minor leagues this year. But he mentioned that he's more of a platoon guy with a ceiling of an everyday solid player. I think there's ways for him to play every day. Sorry if you can hear the notifications popping up on my computer. No, you're um, fine. Um, he's a guy who I think can play every day, whether he gives Austin Hayes a blow and left one day and then Santander and right another day. Because Or Mullins, if you want Mullins not playing against the lefty, but you want the batter's eye of Colton Kowser in the lineup, he can go play center field. He can play all three outfield positions adequately to above average. I think the batter's eye warrants him to have an everyday opportunity. Um there's a lot of things that happen with this lineup that kind of make me scratch my head, um, especially when you have guys that have reverse splits that aren't getting playing time to, you know, really utilize those reverse splits. So, and I also don't think that if the, if the Orioles want to make room for him in their outfield, I don't know that they need to trade or get rid of somebody who's already an everyday player to make room for him right now, because I think they value all three of their current starters too much to want to trade them to make room for Kowser. Yeah, and and in my opinion, honestly, probably overvalue them. Hayes is the guy who honestly has not put up the greatest defensive statistics, despite mm -hmm. obvious speed to do that, despite some occasional good plays we see from the outfield. Uh, it just doesn't seem to have the great range you, you'd want for that player. Um, and the thing about Hayes also is he has that high batting average, the highest average on the mm -hmm. team right now. But if you look at his numbers when there's people on base, a lot of these hits come when there's nobody on. He hits a lot of solo home runs, a lot of leadoff doubles, a lot of doubles with nobody on base. And then it seems like he kind of, you know, doesn't stay within himself when there's an opportunity to drive in a run. And you can really see it because I don't have the number in front of me, but I think he's a sub 200 hitter with runners on base. Yeah, he's not the only one in the Oriole lineup with that problem right now. Unfortunately, they've, they've had yeah. a lot of problems with it with that. And uh um, you know, it's, it's been a problem despite a good RBI total. It's been a problem at time for Mountcastle. It's been a problem at times for Rutschman recently on his uh, recent, uh, downturn with a lot of, a lot of outs and unfortunate situations. And who's the other one that, that, uh, Oh, Henderson has had just mm -hmm. a, a very difficult year in terms of that. So, uh, and I'm not, I, I'm not at all worried about Gunnar Henderson. And for the same reason, I don't think I'd be worried about Kowser. If he comes to the major leagues, plays against right-handers only, that's already a better situation than Henderson has. Mm -hmm. And he he probably can walk at a rate that will be exciting for the Orioles to have. By the way, I, I don't know, just as an aside, Paul, it, it, 
I grew up with the Orioles in the 1970s. Orioles of the 70s drew a ton of walks. In fact, mm-hmm. I, I make this point every once in a while, but from 68 to 85, they had 18 straight winning seasons. They had a lot of different ways to win games in those years. Uh, contrary to popular belief that it was always pitching defense and three-run homers, with the, 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 the common thread through all that was they outwalked their opponents every single year. And by mm-hmm. an average of 123 per year, so three-quarters of a walk per game during, those, during that 18 straight winning seasons. I love it. In terms of it, in terms of that being the basis for the rebuild, is really getting the great batter's eyes because I think it's a the leading in, in economic indicator of hitting statistics, and and b that it's tremendously dramatic in terms of baseball. It's just a lot of fun to watch grinding offensive players wear down a pitcher to nothing. Yeah, and I got to tell you, and I hate to mention it while we're on a show talking about the Orioles, but one of the reasons that the Yankees from '96 to 2009 were mm-hmm. so good was they had everybody in their lineup knew how to take a pitch. They knew yep. how to work a pitcher and get that pitch count up. And that's something that the Orioles were doing at the beginning of the year, and they've kind of fallen back into old habits right now, which is another reason why it might be so important to get Kowser back up here, or not back up, to get him up here so you have one more guy in that lineup, like Henderson, like Rutschman, who know how to take a pitch. And you mentioned Mountcastle has struggled a little bit. Santander struggled a little bit Mateo. with guys on base. Mateo, Hayes. and my biggest want from this past off season, everybody wanted a, a legitimate starting pitcher. I wanted the middle of the order bat, a legitimate middle of the order bat that strikes fear in the opposition. And they didn't do that. And now you're seeing, you know, you have Mountcastle and Hayes hitting four five or three, four um, and Santander to a certain extent in the middle of your order, they strike out and don't get big hits in big situations all the time because there's nobody there to protect them that they, that they have to be scared of. And that's, that was a big blunder, in my opinion, of the offseason. They they might have those guys in the organization. And but Henderson's year being not what they had hoped is part mm-hmm. of the problem. The the other issue is that that I don't believe they've really gone to the extremes to protect Henderson himself. And batting him seventh, eighth in the lab, that's not going to do it. I mean, they, they were wasting Adley's on base percentage there doing that last year. They mm-hmm. really need to to I I believe the, the perfect place for Henderson to put is stick him in the four four spot and forget about him. And the reason is that a very high walk total is going to have tremendous value in the four spot specifically because it leads off the second most innings of any spot. Mm-hmm. Second best choice, the five spot. Where, where he would be in it. And I know his batting average runners in scoring position does not warrant it at this exact moment. Mm-hmm. But in, in terms of, of, you know, modern lineup construction theory, I think you, you want a guy with a high walk rate in the, in the four hole and not necessarily in the three hole. Your guy who has a lot of um, base hit value can go there. And that either Mountcastle or Hayes, both of those guys kind of fit that uh, description as being lower walk uh, rate guys who still have a lot of offensive value. Uh, and they also are right-handers who could protect in the three and five spot uh, mm-hmm. a player like Henderson and also Rushman. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you would probably get a lot of pushback based on the batting average and the, mm-hmm. the average of runners in scoring position from Henderson to have him batting fourth. But it's not the worst idea in the world. If you have Mountcastle in front of him and Santander behind him or Santander or Mountcastle or Hayes, any of those three, mm-hmm. they're going to throw – He's get, Henderson's going to get pitches to hit yep. in – in the four hole, he's going to get pitches to hit. And if he doesn't, he's going to walk. And then those guys are going to get pitches to hit. Cause now you might have a couple guys on base. You want to put another one on. I, I can see where you're com- where you're going with that because it does. I think it does make the team better. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. We'll see if that's the, that's the eventual middle of the order bat they have. Uh, Kowser, I, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I really don't know where they'll bat him in the lineup. It's not obvious to me, but uh, he's he would not be a bad leadoff hitter. He's had some of that at AAA, but he also wouldn't be a bad middle of the lineup bat. He guy certainly has power, although he's been very streaky in terms of mm-hmm. power and non-power. Um, uh, so you know maybe maybe he starts a little lower in the lineup, but but he definitely to me he could be a guy who's part of a Lowenstein Renicky type platoon in the outfield that would be you know potentially very good. Yeah, I look at Colton Kowser and I think that whenever he does come up, I see him batting sixth or lower to start. And then once he gets his feet under him, I can see him moving up into the top half of the the order. Uh, I think ideally he's probably a two or three hitter when it's all said and done. If he's the guy that you think he was when you when you draft or you thought he was going to be when you drafted him five overall. Now, if he's getting on base a ton, but the bat just isn't playing and and you you can't play him against left handed pitching. That's something you're going to have to visit when you come to that. But I'm not. I'm not sold yet that he can't hit left-handed pitching, but we also know that they that the Orioles are very analytical and they like to match up and they like to do a lot of right-handed heavy lineups, just like every other team, against um, left-handed pitching. So he would have to earn his way into that role. So you know, this brings up one of the questions, which is who's the right-handed bat in the league, either league, that could be available? And it's not even really position-specific. But a, a guy who hits left-handers very well and is known for that, and you could you could plug in in a in, maybe in a platoon with Kowser, or maybe just to, to you know make your lineup better against left-handed pitching, which is would seem to be the looming nemesis for this Oriole team, even though they've hit pretty well against lefties so far this year. Is Paul Goldschmidt available? Sure. Um, right. Right. Uh, the the Cardinals are in last place, but they've won eight of ten, and he's the MVP. You'd have to give up a, a truckload to get him. There's not really, there's not too many bats out there that are going to be available to the Orioles to go to go and get because again, you have a lot of parity in Major League Baseball right now. A lot of teams that are going to think that they're still in it uh, when you get to that deadline, who are also going to be looking for that big bat. And, you know, on my list, the only right-handed bat that's on my list, and it's a short, short list, is Brent Rooker. Brent Rooker's 28 years old out there. He's, you know, three for his last 16 with just um, one RBI. But he, um, before that little downstretch, which everybody has a downstretch, he was tearing the cover off the ball. And he's leading Oakland's offense in just about every other statistical category. He's under team control through 2028. And, He's 28 years old. So it's one of those situations where what are you going to have to give up to get him? 
Does Oakland want to build around him? You, you'd be hard-pressed to find Oakland wanting any team wanting to build around a 28, 29-year-old hitter. No way. That, that's still under team control for six or seven years. If they can get something for that guy uh, that could be him in a couple of years and be five years younger than him, they'd probably pull the trigger on a move like that. And they also would be selling high because he's never done what he's doing this year. So that, that would be really the only, the other two guys I have on my, again, I said it's a short list. There's two other guys I have on my list and they're both left-handed. Okay. Those are not, those are not the kind of big bats that, that we'd be hoping for. So Rooker in his career, 21 homers and 427 at bats. So decent power, uh, decent on base percentage, kind of a low medium to low walk rate and a decent sluggy percentage. And of course he's been playing in Oakland all this time. So, uh, you give him a little bit of credit for that. Uh, I, I did not look up his splits here to see if he is a big platoon split guy, but if he is, that would make him, to me, more valuable potentially to the Orioles. You know, when he was here playing the Orioles earlier this year, it felt like he was hitting everybody. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see that he is – and I mean, let's let's look at this right now against left killed left-handers. Pitching. Yeah, three fifty with five of his eleven yeah. home runs against left-handed pitching. So he would be a prime candidate for the Orioles to go out and get. Assuming you know, Oakland is they're going to be moving to Las Vegas in the next couple of years, and who are they going to be building around? Are they building around a guy who in the next couple of years will be 30, 31 years old? I don't know. The Brent Rooker is a terrible idea. I I think that they probably would. Uh, look to rebuild with a, with another generation of young talent, and, except this is a tank year, which it probably already they're almost assured the number one draft pick mm-hmm. by their current spot in, in, in things. And it may be a two year process of getting the number one pick again. But I think if they're if they're going to rebuild by the Elias method, they're going to dump everybody this year uh, mm-hmm. that that uh, that's there. Uh, it, it, that's, that's, I, I hadn't thought of him, but that's a, that's an excellent idea, especially the way he, he was tearing up the Orioles at Camden Yards. It does not seem to have that kind of fear of that left field wall or, or it, it, it was impeded by it in the way that uh, some other hitters have been. Uh, it, that is a real question is, is there another type of right-handed hitter with, you know, left center, right center power, or maybe it doesn't rely on the home run for their offense as much, but still has pretty extreme platoon splits. And every, Oriole, if you go back to Benny Ayala or other Oriole extreme right-handed platoon players, uh, they've they've been mostly relying on power for a lot of their value against left-handers. Gary Renicky. Um, I'm I'm sorry. Could you repeat that that last part? I was uh, so, so, fiddling the, something on my computer. Yeah, the, the the point I'm saying is that is that the the right-handed hitters. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find a hitter that might be available in Major League Baseball, and it's not an infinite number. You don't have control groups for all of this, but is is there a hitter available in right right-handed hitter in Major League Baseball who doesn't rely completely on power, but would otherwise make a good platoon player and be somebody who who another team might be willing to to let go, uh, such that Camden Yards would not play against him uh, in a way. And, and you know, maybe, in fact, he doesn't resent coming to Camden Yards also. I don't know how important that is. It wouldn't be important for Rooker because Rooker's going to be happy to play for a winner and play anywhere, frankly, at his age. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it, might be a, it might be a problem for a Goldschmidt. You know, that he's yeah. saying, oh, no, you're sending me to Camden Yards. That's, you know, that's death well, for me. Yeah, and you see, all, there's the names that would come to mind because, again, yeah, there's plenty of those guys that would be around, but are they going to be available? 
you know, and you want to you want to talk in terms of the realistic. And if you look at the American League East, every single team has 24 wins or more, and they're not going to want to trade within the division. Sure. You look in the Central, and there's not a hitter in the Central that is either A, available, or that the Orioles are going to think is worth trading for. And then the West, it's literally the Oakland Athletics and everybody else. Every other team is going to be in playoff contention and think that they have a chance. The NL East, the Marlins are the team that's in second place. So you really, are you picking from the Nationals? Are you taking Joey Manezes from the Nationals? They seem to really like him. And then in the Central, you know, it's the, the right-handed bat that you would think of that comes to the top of mind for, for maybe like the Cubs is Trey Mancini. I don't, I don't know of any other maybe hap for them, but you know, do you, are you going to do a reunion with Trey Mancini? Is he that impact bat that you're looking for? The pirates think they're in it. The brewers are in first place. The Cardinals are never going to think that they're out of it. The reds don't have anybody of value that you want. And then you look at the West and they don't have any players of value that you really want either that are right-handed. The guy, the guy that comes to mind, and I think the pirates are going to very quickly find out they're out of it is McCutcheon. And, and I think you're going to be looking at an older player you're trying to acquire. Mm-hmm. Maybe a guy who's not in the best possible situation. McCutcheon kind of fits the bill in terms of not being a guy who com- is completely dependent on power for his offensive performance. He's not having a great year, is he? He's actually having a lot better year than you think. Like he's been hitting like 230, 240 the last couple of years. But when the Orioles were playing him, his average was up around 260. He had seven or eight home runs, uh, mid-20s RBIs. He's having a better year than you would have expected from Andrew McCutcheon. But I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's back in Pittsburgh. That's where he came up. So he right. has that extra juice to play there. You know? he's, he's not the player he was six years ago. He's 36 now. Um, but but if you're if you're looking about realistic trade targets, you probably have to consider some older players. You know, Brent Rooker is a, that'd be a young player. You know that they're able to be acquiring it as far as you know having some additional juice. I think the what the Orioles can I might have said Ravens just a minute ago, but what the Orioles can afford to do is is pick up a player who is in his early to mid 30s if he's an impactful bat right now. Well, and and that goes back to do you think that it absolutely has to be a right-handed hitter because I'll tell you that one of the guys I have on my list this year is Charlie Blackman, you know, Charlie Blackman for the Colorado Rockies He's 36 years old. He's in the final year of his contract and for his career, he hits three Oh five against left-handed pitchers this year. He's got even splits 273 against righties 273 against lefties. He still has a 371 on base percentage this season, which is up 16 points higher than his career numbers, that's the guy who you can put into your lineup and he can help you make a playoff push. And you probably squeeze that last bit of juice out of him because he's amped up for a playoff push. I guess my problem with Blackman would be this. The last four seasons combined, he's been slightly below the league average in terms of OPS when you adjust for the ballpark. So if you look at his OPS plus, it's it's not an exciting thing. Now, the nice thing is he's a better on base percentage guy than he is a slugging guy. So you mm-hmm. hopefully you hopefully get a little bit out of that. His walk rate has been decent this year, terrible last year, okay the year before that. It's, he's been up and down a little bit, honestly, in terms of his walks drawn his career, and never great at it. Um, sure, I, 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 I'm I'm not I, the name does not excite me. You, you you didn't sell me on it, and and you know I I would I I think I really prefer a right-handed batter given who you want to bring up. Now, the, if it could be, and this is where the, where the gauge has really got to be set, is Jordan West, Westbrook really the best available right-handed bat? Um, 
Is he? I mean, is uh, where do you put Kobe Mayo at some point? Where do you put Connor Norby? Um, I'll worry Westbrook. about that when when it, when the situation arises. Sure, but you could say the same thing about Jordan Westbrook because for some reason they lo- they love playing Adam Frazier every day, and when Arias is here, they love playing him every day. You know, is, when's the situation going to arise for Jordan Westbrook? Yeah, he's your reigning minor league player of the year. He's tearing the cover off. He's already got 11 home runs down at Norfolk. But where you see the growing pains with Gunnar Henderson, you see that you saw the growing pains the first three or four weeks with Adley Rutschman and Jordan Westbrook isn't considered the prospect that those two guys were. How much is he really going to help the ball club? Uh, and can you really depend on him to be that addition that's going to give you that little bit of push in your lineup? I don't know that you can one day. Yeah. And maybe one day sooner rather than later, but you can't just depend on a guy with no experience to make that move for you. The, the future is now in terms of Westberg. I guess the point I would make is if you don't find a way to get him real major league at bats at this point, you're going to lose your opportunity entirely. Potentially yeah. he's going to end up being a Roger freed or a guy who, who goes by the wayside um, largely. He might not have been good enough. And we, 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 we may determine that at some point, but he's 24 and a half years old, if I recall mm-hmm. correctly. I, it's just it's too long to be in the minor leagues and still be a good hitting prospect. I think he is a good hitting prospect. I think there is a chance he, he could give you something. And I think you, you go ahead and you take this chance on this team, which needs right-handed sticks, doesn't have Urias currently. I mean, currently there's a there's a there's a, just a gaping need right now, right? Um, with Urias's bat m- missing. And uh, I, I I just I wouldn't know why you wouldn't make the moves now. Frazier's you know played a little bit. He's he's played better than he than we had any right to expect. I still don't think he's good enough that that he keeps you from making a move that helps you try and win the pennant. If if I'm the Orioles, I'm DFAing Frazier yesterday. <laughs> he he's got a two twenty six batting average on balls in play. That is seventy points, seventy plus points below the league average. And he strikes out the least amount of anybody on the team and his batting average on balls and plays 226. And you're keeping Jordan Westberg or Joey Ortiz down at the minor leagues for that. And you're, and you're talking about getting that, that, uh, and, and I know Ortiz is up here now, but he's not getting playing time over Adam Frazier. Yeah. I would much rather see Jordan Westberg up here instead of Adam Frazier. And, and don't get me wrong. I want to see Jordan Westberg up at the major league level as well as anybody else. And I think that he's going to be here for the, of the bulk of the remainder of the season. It's just a matter of who do you get rid of right now to make that move? Do you want to see what Arias can do? Do you want to see Mateo could snap out of what this little funk that he's in? I don't know that Mike Elias is too pressed right now to make that move, but if we're talking two months from now, maybe Westberg is that guy, but I, I don't think that they're going to stand pat at all at the deadline. Yeah, and I I guess I don't understand why that move has not been made. You said DFA yesterday, but it's not like they're not getting what they expected from Frazier. You mentioned the ball at batting average ball in place. He's got a twenty six point eight percent hard hit rate. That's that's bad, very bad. Mm -hmm. By the major league standard, is thirty eight point seven percent. But it's also exactly on target with his career number of twenty seven point one percent hard hit balls. So it's not Mm -hmm. like it's not like you know they should have expected you know, something that was, was drastically different. And, oh, he's just been very unlucky and his batting average in ball and play is low. No, his batting average in ball and play is low because he's got very few hard hit balls. And, yeah. And uh, that's frustrating. Yeah, he uh, he tends to roll over a lot. It was a move that I scratched my head over uh, when they made it in the offseason. You know, we I was glad to be rid of Ruth Neto Door, and then they signed a player who probably hits for better average but not nearly the power um, and doesn't strike out as much. But 
when you factor in the idea of Gunnar Henderson and Jorge Mateo and Ramona Rios, Jordan Westberg and Connor Norby, you know, and the list goes on, why do you need Adam Frazier? And then he gets off to that hot start and okay, now you can justify it. You can't justify it now at this point, except for the fact that you're pay, you paid him $8 million to be here this year. And are you going to cut him loose and Sunk still cost. owe him all that money? Sunk cost. If you get yep. anyone to take him, great. If you have to DFA him, that's okay too. Yeah, I, it, you and it, I think that. Do, do, yeah. Does uh, John Angelos and the Orioles brass think that? Well, it, it, I, there's there's effectively no incremental cost to giving his at-bats to Westberg at this point. Although Westberg would make a major league salary if he came up. But it's a, a trivial a incremental cost. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're talking uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so you make that move if you if you had the chance to do it, and and the Orioles really could, uh, you know, from attendance standpoint, from a lot of standpoints, making a move like that, I think would, I don't know that it, in of itself it would energize the fan base, but it would be a move in the right direction. Whereas, uh, you know, the, one of the things about the 1989 season people still complain about was the acquisition of Keith Moreland down the stretches. That's the big that's the big bat you can give us to try and you know stave off the advance of the Blue Jays. Uh, it didn't, it, it didn't make sense at the time. And, uh, and, and it was just a, it was a, during the Eli Jacobs ownership period and really a, a, a very weak move. I, I, I want the, I want the Orioles to move, um, confidently and strongly. Uh, if it does mean trading a prospect, I'm not completely opposed to it. I think that the rate, the Orioles need to make sure that they, they trade somebody who's, um, appropriately valued relative to past trades. Don't, don't, just because you have 10 prospects doesn't mean you have to give up one of those, those top 10 guys necessarily to, to get somebody else. Identify the Yosniel Diaz in our organization who you don't think is really going to perform and trade him. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. But, but then you also have to, and, and we come across this a lot as people that cover the Orioles and follow the Orioles and that root for the Orioles is that one, you tend to value your own players a little bit more than sure. everybody else does. And Two, you tend to think that other teams would be willing to give you some of their top talent for some of your lesser talent. And it just and it just doesn't work that way. You know, like if you want a guy who's going to be a game changer, you got to give something up for him. Could completely agree, by the way, with that statement. By the way, you're 100 you're percent right. But but I'm, I'm going to make a subtle distinction here. There are a number of teams out there in the second half of the season, certainly by the trade line, which aren't looking, aren't even thinking in terms of unloading a sorry of uh of trading talent they're thinking of unloading salary right and so and so you you have an opportunity for that team to save four million dollars on a 12 million dollar contract or whatever it might be you pick up a you know let's say it was mark trumbo or somebody who was available back in a back in the day uh you have an avail a chance to pick up that kind of a player and and uh plug him into your lineup and he does the other team no good at all and under those circumstances the, the trade value of that player should be almost nothing. And the Orioles should not be forced into feeling like they're forced into a corner on trading a Ortiz or a uh, any of their, any of the top prospects. You know, if I'm setting the limited Ortiz, I'm setting it kind of low in terms sure. of the Orioles system. Uh, and I certainly don't think they should get rid of anybody like Norby or Westberg or any of these guys who are, you know, right on the margin of, of making it. Uh, it. It just, I think talent will be available essentially for free that for free, you know, is, is always involves usually a player that nobody knows about at that point mm -hmm. at the trade deadline. So you reach down to the a ball, you find that guy. And, and I'm trying to think of who it might be. Maybe, maybe Prieto is a guy who gets traded in this, uh, uh, yeah. in this, 
Cesar Prieto, I think, is a prime trade candidate for the Orioles maybe as soon as this year because of the fact that, yeah, he's a great hitter. He doesn't hit for a ton of power. A lot of his hits are singles. And he's not going to play second base over all the guys that we've mentioned in the show. Mm-hmm. His, and his arm doesn't play at shortstop or third base. He's kind of a positionless guy at this point. He doesn't really have a place uh, on the future Orioles team unless he just proves to be the best hitting prospect in all baseball, which I think we're fairly certain as good as he is, <laughs> he's not that, you know, um, and that could be somebody that you trade. And, you know, I know that this guy, and you probably won't agree with me, but I know that this guy is off to a slow start out in LA, but one of those guys could be JD Martinez, who, you know, he, he's, he's off to a slow start right now, but they paid him $11 million this year. And, you know, maybe they don't have a spot for him. And if you trade Cesar Prieto to the Dodgers and you get J.D. Martinez for a few months and he, again, gets that little extra juice of being in a pennant race, you know, maybe he performs adequately enough to be that force in the middle of your lineup. Yeah, I, I'd be I'd be all for that. Uh, even even with his years so far this year, he's hit with a little bit of power. And and I, I would be completely for that. Uh, uh, he, he'd be exactly the kind of right handed bat that could help the Orioles get over the top. I. And and 35 years old, the Dodgers are not the type of team who says, boy, let's save $5 million. Uh, it, they're just not that kind of team. <laughs> they're like, right, who cares? Right. It's only $5 million. <laughs> you, you really are looking for a team like Oakland, who's got a guy yeah. on their roster like this. And the, the, the famous money ball scene where they go to Cleveland and they pick up Ricardo Rincon. And, mm-hmm. and Cleveland's only interest is basically dumping Rincon and trying sure. to get as much as they can for him. So, they need to find the motivated seller. I, I think I, I do think Elias is going to be good at this, although we haven't really seen him have the opportunity to do it yet during this rebuild phase. Yeah, look, anytime that I've questioned Mike Elias, which honestly, it's rare. He, to me, he's checked every box he said he was going to check. Uh, anytime I've questioned him, he's gone and done something that made me feel foolish for questioning him. And, you know, the whole liftoff thing this offseason, it's liftoff from here. Yeah, maybe we did take that a little bit too literally, but he didn't make a ton of moves, and the Orioles have the second-best record in baseball right now. So he knows something that we don't. He's managed to get a lot of return for players that we think might not be might be fringe players on a good team. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to, to wait and see what he's going to do. I have no doubts that if, he's, if he thinks a bat needs to be here to put in the middle of the order, he's going to find the best bat that he can at his price. Right. Yeah, JD Martinez though. I like that uh he's he's definitely be a guy that uh I think would be a would be a reasonable reasonable choice to get the job done. Uh let's go back to the pitching staff for a moment and then we'll then we'll uh, wrap it up here, but in in terms of the pitching staff, uh are are all the arms the Raven, the Orioles need? Yeah, I do that about five times a show when I do an Orioles crossover show. Are all the all of what the Orioles need in terms of arms in the starting rotation or there is some possibility to improve the bullpen as well that would make sense? Um, CNL Perez has been a little bit better recently. You do have Michael Givens coming back. Tate, I'm not convinced that Tate doesn't need some kind of surgery. He's been getting torched in the minors. I don't know how much he helps you. Did you trade for Cole Irvin for him to be your long man? Um, I don't know that you did. Uh, both you thought he was getting better, but he kind of fell apart. Look, their back end is lethal. Their back end is absolutely lethal. Might be the best uh, uh, eighth inning, ninth inning duo in all of baseball. Givens has proven that he can he can thrive in any role from the sixth inning through the ninth inning. You know, you can never have too much pitching. And if you can go out there and you can find a reliever that, you know, you know for sure can get that seventh thing. Danny Coulomb's been uh, yes. been been good. You know, he's been 
better than serviceable. Brian Baker, when he's on, he's really good. When he's off, he's really bad. Um, he tends to be a little wild at times, but I don't know that they need to do anything drastic to the bullpen. I think you're looking at adding one more um, starting pitcher that is the guy. Um, and then, and again, like we said, that bat, but we're talking about the pitching, probably just one more starting pitcher is what I would imagine they'd go after. Well, they have, have in theory, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.